What's up, everybody? It is Andrew Cleary here on the F1 Podcast, joined by Jonathan Ricci as we discuss the week that was in F1. John, how are you doing today? How was your week? Uh, my week was good. Um, I'm happy that it's Friday. Also crazy that the Abu Dhabi Grand Prix is this weekend. One of the big things that I have to talk about, first off, I'm doing well. I don't think I really said that. Um, but uh, what did I call last week? Mercedes was going to win one of these races. And what happened? They come out one, two, their first win of the season in Brazil. And then that, but like, there's a lot to impact about this weekend. Oh, I, gotta I, say that. I thought you were going to talk about how Dan and Shay came out with their new Christmas album. No, I haven't listened to it yet. No, but Black Friday is just around the corner. So maybe it'll be on sale. True. So, but yes, as John has alluded to, this past week was a bit nutso in F1 land. I'll tell you that much because we did not, I think, we have what we call race of the year this past weekend? I think this is probably, yeah, I think this is probably can go down as probably the, one of the top, like, you know, when we talked about earlier in the season that like, you know, the, the changes into the F1 cars are supposed to change up the grid. This was kind of one of those races that we were kind of hoping all season where we have Kevin Magnuson come out of nowhere, uh, achieve his first ever pole position, first ever pole position for Haas. We had George Russell winning his first ever race. Lewis Hamilton being an absolute stud, helping him support him. And they were pretty uh, good teammates throughout the whole weekend on this, <laughs> unlike some others. But, yes. uh, you know, honestly, you know, when anytime you go down to Sao Paulo, uh, it, it's always uh, a great race down in, and for the Brazil Grand Prix. So, you know, I think there's a lot to talk about this weekend. Um, and just, you know, honestly, there was a lot uh, to talk about that the bottlenecks that happened afterwards. Mm-hmm. Uh so yep. I, I think uh, I'll, I'll, I'll t- turn it over to you, but I mean, where do we start? I think we should start Friday qualifying. So <clears throat> this was a sprint format weekend in Brazil for the second straight year. Uh, last year, it turned out to be quite an interesting, a let's say an action-packed race. And this year did not fault from last year whatsoever. It's almost a shame that this is not the last race of the season on the calendar, but that is not here nor there, um, but we'll start Friday for qualifying. Interesting qualifying because we had a Q1 that was a wet quality. Then it turned into a dry quality in Q2. But as you alluded to, Q3 was a bit of a mix, right? Started dry, but the rain was coming in. And, you know, Haas being, you know, this was actually kind of helped Haas, you know, considering how they were last year, they were dead last in the constructors. That means they get the closest um, constructor, I guess, the paddock, their pit stop is sure is the farthest from the um, pit lane entry, but it's to the closest to the uh, exit out until turn two, which bode well because that means K Mag could have gone out was out first. No, nobody in nobody behind or nobody in front of him, and he was able to bang out a sweet lap. And I think he was up three tenths on uh, Verstappen after that first lap in P one. Like the car, I don't know how Haas does it, but they were able to get those tires working on a cold track when it was about to rain. They got the tires fired up, and K-Mag went on one of the uh, perfect lap. I think that was probably his best qualifying out of his whole whole career. And so, you know, you go through the first round, and then man of the weekend, George Russell had a tough start with this little accident in the Q3. Yeah, I know. It was very interesting kind of just see how this all played out, um, just seeing the different strategies and somehow how the drivers played. I was also a little surprised on just how Ferrari kind of just was able to, to take qualifying. I mean, 
Leclerc didn't even bother to go out for uh, Q3. Uh, I don't even think Carlos Sainz. Yeah, Carlos Sainz put up a one one twelve, but man, it just I, I just can't believe it. Is I, I you know when when I don't know if you ever heard the radio, but when they said Keg uh, when they said to Magnuson, you're like, yeah, you're P1, and he's like, no way, no way, you're kidding, you're kidding. and the joy like I. Okay, Kev. What position are we? Um, you're P1, mate. You're kidding. I'm not kidding. You're kidding. You're kidding me. I've never, ever felt like this in my life, yeah, guys. It's not over don't, yet. Don't celebrate yet. Don't celebrate yet. yet. Come it's on. It's not over yet. It's not over yet, Kev. Dude, it's literally a little tired that they get. It's, it's obviously Haas's only trophy they've ever received in Formula 1. But, like, the excitement, it felt like they just won the F1 championship with that. And that's the beauty about this sport, especially with a team like Haas, who's been grinding it out for six years now, right? Race after race, trying to get to a podium position, trying to get, you know, anything. It's just allude to a trophy, if that's the case. And they do finally get it under great circumstances. Um, <clears throat> Ferrari, again, showing their strat- strategic hand <laughs> in the qualifying, putting Leclerc out on the inner tire when it was dry on the track, preemptively waiting for the rain to come. And you know what? It would have been a good, it was a bad call considering the rain. It needed to rain quick, but um, yeah, you think like you have one lap to really make a difference considering with the rain coming in, why not take the risk on the soft instead of going on onto the inters? Just a stupid gamble in my opinion. Well, and it was there that, and then there was, I don't know if you, there was an instance where Leclerc was, when he pitted, there was confusion amongst the paddock or I guess the engineers or whatever, like what tires to put on. And they were, and like all the engineers were just standing there looking like sore thumbs. And it's like, it's like, which tire do you put on? There was like no kind of communication of what was going on. I think it was the qualifying where this happened, if I'm not mistaken, but just like, it did not, that did not bode well for, uh, for Leclerc uh, for qualifying. No, nope, but Hey, the stars aligned and Kate, Kevin Magnuson gets his first poll ever in F1 on his hundredth race with Haas. On Gene Haas's 70th birthday, it was great to see, uh, which leads into our Saturday sprint race. So, and unfortunately, with that Haas card, K-Mag had a tough start. So, I think, I, I, I think let's let's be real here. Um, <laughs> we, we had no anticipation that he was going to hold P1. Even Gunter Steiner, for God's sakes, literally said, you know, we'll just be happy with the points. And they literally walked away with one point. <laughs> so... K-Mag led the sprint race for one lap, and that was the first lap I think Haas has ever led in a race ever in Formula One. So there's a good trivia question for the future right there. Yeah, you know, I saw, like, we obviously saw a lot of good stuff. You know, Verstappen and Russell engaging in a battle at the start. Uh, you know, over, obviously he overtook uh, Magnussen at the start of lap three to take the lead. Uh, you know, we saw that throughout the race, you know, uh, Esteban Alcon and Alonso, we're engaging through some duels for the first lap. I, I'm, I, as I said last week, the, the love is not there. I think Fernando Alonso is so excited to get out. Well, did you see me. what he said afterwards? No, I didn't. He made a comment about how happy next, like Abu Dhabi's the last race with Akon as his teammate. Oh, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> uh, we talked about this today. Yeah. Because yeah, um, Akon drove Fernando off in turn four yeah. for a defensive move. And then kind of Akon just jeered back in and took a hole right out of his side pod. <laughs> and then 10 turns later, when we were going down the, the straight, like Fernando just clips the back of Ocon and his whole front wing goes. So 
again, like both they're hurting their own cause. And I don't know like what it is with Otmar Safnar and Esteban Akon and his teammates, but whenever Otmar is Esteban's like team principal, this always seems to be the problem. This was a problem at Force India slash Racing Point when Checo was his teammate. And now it's the same problem with Alonso as his teammate. You almost kind of wonder who's the problem here. Is it like Akon the problem? Or... Well, I think it's Otmar. I really think it's Otmar is the problem. <laughs> Yeah, I can't see uh, Esteban Alcon really being an issue in the paddock. But, hey, we don't even know. Um, I think also, like, yeah, we saw George Russell, you know, Mercedes, again, w- uh, you know, win their first ever – well, not actually they won the first sprint, but, like, well, George Russell – first ever race win, technically. Yeah. Uh, you know, Carlos Sainz coming from – you know, he was – he came P2. Obviously, he had to move down to P7 because of a five-grid penalty. But also, I like, it was, it was, a, it was a fun sprint. You know, if there's one thing I can remember, it was there was a lot of excitement and kind of building up to the race on Sunday. And I think we can kind of like start moving into it. But um, well, before we get into it. Yeah, we got one more incident we have to talk about and how <laughs> I feel bad for speaking of Alonzo. I feel bad for him going to Aston Martin next season because I don't know what the hell Lance Stroll was doing on that straight the defense move that he literally just shoved Vettel right off the road. And, you know, a 10-second penalty seemed light in that case because he literally put him off the road. He put A, put him off the road, and, like, B, like, you don't put a four-time world champion off the road like that with two races left to go. And he's retiring! (laughs) Who cares? He's retiring at the end of the season. (laughs) It's like, try doing that stuff to Fernando Alonso next year, and I can guarantee you... Fernando Alonso will come in and literally jump in your car and probably send a punch to your face. Well, uh, Mike Crack, the team principal, kind of came out this week and alluded to saying that how in 2023, there's going to be no number one driver because they want to try and create a competitive culture for when their future um, becomes brighter in terms of car yeah. development. So, it, again, would you really classify Stroll as a number one driver considering what he does to his teammates? Like, is this two weeks? This is like two race. This is in about, I don't know, or two to two instances, about three or four weekends. The other one happening against Alonzo in the U.S., where, again, completely defensive move and just, like, he jeered on him late and caught and caused a collision with Ocon or with Alonzo. So, yeah, like, he, I, it's crazy because Lance Stroll has been, he's only 24, but he's been in Formula One since 2017, and, like, he's still making, like, these amateur plays and amateur moves and it's like you have 121 starts and you're still doing this like and like in a way he can't he can be a good driver he's got the skills and he's proven time proven it before that he can be a very competitive driver it's just these incidents as you allude to amateur hour and it's it really damages his reputation um you want to talk about reputation and relationship should we go Let's down talk to talk about Sunday? Sunday. Oh, yeah. yeah. Sunday. <laughs> so race kicks off at one o'clock. I'm trying to flip on red zone to watch football and F1 at the same time. But I had a hard time doing that considering the first lap we had like two incidents. Mm-hmm. You know, Danny Rick clipping Magnuson in the back, completely spin him out. And then that <laughs> so was can we just, okay. mayhem. Hold on. Before you go any further, can we just talk about how it started the weekend for Haas like this, and then it just just kept going down? down. <laughs> you lose. Um, yeah, yeah. So we talk about you. You mentioned that you know, obviously, we saw that um, you know Ricardo hitting uh, Magnussen in the back there, completely ruining his race. Um, well, I don't know what else happened there, 
Well, I think Lando, Nor- Lando Norris, like actually terrible weekend for McLaren. Yeah, McLaren had a horrible weekend in the race, right? So ironically, DR gets carted off in the safety car and they left kind of, they left K-Mag by himself. He had to walk back to the paddock pretty much. They wouldn't yeah. come back to pick him up. But yeah, I, I get like uh, Norris just clips the back of Leclerc. And I don't know how Leclerc's car survived. That was a brutal impact and it seemed to be okay. Yeah, I was shocked because I thought he was going to go because I actually, I won't lie, I missed the first couple of laps of the race, but I watched the highlights and I was like, when I saw that, I, I just generally thought that uh, Leclerc was done for the race. And he came back so kudos. And, and he came back to a position like a points position. Like that's like great driving from Charles there on Sunday, to be honest with you. Um, I thought we saw some very good battles throughout the day. You know, I think Beltry Bottas was able to hold himself up there, uh, you know, scoring some major points for the constructors ending uh P9. You know, obviously both the Ferraris uh was obviously not really of the weekends and weekends, but they still were able to try to like close the gap because you know, we talked about it last week how mercedes was only 40 points back and they had a miracle weekend this weekend and you know at least ferrari was able to keep it to three and four so the gap is i think now 25 points so it makes it makes next weekend in abu dhabi or literally in a couple of days um much more uh crazy and you know i i think i don't know i like who do you think has the motivation now i mean not the motivation who do you think after this weekend with russell when he, and actually, I just want to talk about it. Like some of the radio messages that we heard, um, you know, George asked his team is like, is this going to be clean to the end? And they said it was actually kind of very nice of, uh, I think, I don't know if it was total wolf or whoever it was, but basically said, you know, it's a, it's a fair race fight, fight clean. We're not going to like interfere with it. No, I, I wonder, I, even, I, I wonder even Hamilton didn't even bother to fight. He's like, you know, maybe Russell well, deserves this. So to your point there, um, Mercedes, this was their weekend of the year by far. Yeah. And they have won over so many hearts this weekend, I think more so than because teams have lost some respect. Um, Mr. Saturday turning off into a wonderful performance, becoming Mr. Sunday for the first time in his whole career. Congratulations, GR. We give him a lot of slack, but congratulations, GR. First win in Formula One GP. And you know what it meant to him, right? Like, Think about last year at this time, he was getting his first points of F1 with Williams. Now he's winning his first F1 race. So funny how virtues can change in a year for a guy, right? When you put that hard work and determination in it. Even Total Wolf said that he thinks he stood, he he he, um, he spent too much time with Williams. He thinks he should have been, but like, look, like, where are you going to go? Especially when that market was uh, very chaotic or very structured that there's no openings anywhere. Mm-hmm. And it led to Mercedes. So first one, two, the season with Hamilton. Now, Hamilton was only finished 1.5 seconds behind George in the race, but there was a big caveat or a big incident that happened in turn two at the beginning of the race area between uh, Hamilton and you guessed it, Max Verstappen, little shade back to last year flashback and shade back to 2018 flashback where kind of same incident that happened with Ocon where he took the inside breakout Hamilton kind of, trapped him in on the inside of two and instead of veering off and slowing down and taking the curb on Hamilton just kept taking, I mean, Verstappen kept his line and he just, you know, collided on the side of of the car, which led to a five second penalty for Verstappen, which I think was warranted. It was the point of it was warranted. He lost his front wing, um, but that created floor damage for Hamilton, which I think they were saying lost about 0.2, 0.3 seconds 
uh, per lap as a result in terms of pace. So if that incident doesn't happen, I think Lewis could have won this race easily. And which is a big thing because I think this is the first, if he doesn't win in Abu Dhabi this weekend is the first That's time for- in 10 years. that He hasn't won a race in a seat. Like he's won 10, he's won a race in, I think the 10 consecutive seasons so far. So if he doesn't win a race in Abu Dhabi, if he doesn't win Abu Dhabi, that's the streak goes goes to an end. Well, 13, 14. Yeah. He's won a race ever, ever since he started in 2007. He's won a race every year. Okay. So 14 seasons. So that's crazy. Right. When you think about it, right. You know? (laughs) Yeah. It's quite wild how that, especially, and like, you know, I think he really, especially being, someone like him, you know, I think he clearly wanted, you know, want George to experience his first lap. Like, but yeah, there is, there's definitely like, there is still a work in progress as Wolf said. Um, you know, I think the recovery for, for Mercedes is not like a hundred percent, but like, you know, a win like this weekend clearly showed that it gives them a lot of motivation, maybe more motivation than Ferrari. Um, and uh, we'll talk about after, after, cause there's a lot of rumors going around in uh, Marinello right now. In the future of Bonato. Um, but um, I think, uh, you know, clearly how the, how Mercedes acted this weekend, like gives them a lot of more excitement. Like, you know, they could maybe win again next weekend. If, mm-hmm. uh, it, cause I, I personally don't think that, uh, well, we could, let's move on to Red Bull. I, so, I, yeah, let's so address had, the elephant. So top five we had was GR finishing Fernando first. Alonso. Yeah. And considering all the backlash that him and Ocon take. So apparently according to the sprint race afterwards, Alpine did a made a tweet about how they received or they noticed that there was 882 toxic comments, 162 of them being severely toxic about the race incident, I guess, in the sprint. And they were looking to do action for that. So, you know, a tough time for a team where a lot of bad stuff happened on that Saturday. Um, Again, we do not promote, we're not promoting at all any toxic comments. Uh, We're just, it's really sad to see that happens in the community. Um, but I understand people are defending and they get passionate, but that's when passionate becomes over the line. Nevertheless, GR finishes P1, Lewis Hamilton P2, Sainz P3, Charles Leclerc P4, Alonso P5, and then Max Verstappen and Sergio Perez finished P6 and P7. What? Well, must have must have been a fun weekend if you're a Red Bull fan, um, especially if you're a Max Verstappen fan, if you even still are one considering how the guy just like ruined his reputation in a matter of, I don't know, 71 laps. Yeah. I'm curious to see, uh, obviously Erica could not make it this week's episode, but I think she's got some, uh, she'll do a gossip tea about like the drama that happened this weekend. And we're hoping we're excited to bring that up and like, hopefully tires doing okay. Cause when I checked on him, Green Bay Packers beat the Dallas Cowboys and both his, uh, both his Red Bull drivers did not make it into the podium spot or win the race so that's tough he probably was hiding a tur- uh, like a turtle all weekend after but i <laughs> texted him but yeah okay so, so to set the so i'll set yeah, the presses john so you are fighting for p2 by the way driver's championship is already locked up constructor's championship is already locked up so really you have, you have a teammate that's fighting for p2 in the championship and this teammate has done a lot for you in the past in terms of, you know, getting to where you were, to where you've been for the two World Drivers Championships. And, you know, in a race that really doesn't mean anything in P6 and P7, what would you do, John, if well, you were, if you were well, locked it, everything like, down? Look, okay, so we th- this is the problem with Formula One is, you know, we talk about it, how it, it is a team sport. So you have 
X amount of races that you have every year. And ideally you want your drivers to work together. However, the team has to make a decision and say, which or where I got to put my upgrades to the car. Obviously they clearly prioritize Max Verstappen forever. Um, and like, you, I think the, the rationale was with Serge, when Sergio Perez was coming in, they said, Sergio, you are not going to be the number one driver. You're going to be helping Max win the titles. But you would think that if everything is already, as you said, everything's kind of all covered up, you're obviously going to win one. We already have the constructors. Wouldn't it be so nice to, to record like a historical season for Red Bull that like, you know, example, let uh, Sergio Perez pass Max uh, in the race. No. And like, we're talking about two points here that can make a big difference. Especially in a season where we've been pit, where we're in a new era of Formula One, and to really assert your dominance, you finish P1 and P2 in the standings, or give your chance to finish P1, P2. Now, apparently, this all stems from when Checo allegedly crashed on purpose, or he is according to Dutch media, and I don't know if it's fully true, um, but they apparently it is. But upon when, when Checo crashed out at Monaco in this qualifying lap, he told Horner and Helmut Marco that he did that on purpose. A, I think that's a little bit ridiculous on why you would want to crash. I get you. Why would you tell your team principal you crashed out on purpose? Like, it makes no sense. And B, dude, it was Monaco. That's like May. Oh, and by the way, you've already locked up the drivers and you've locked up the constructors. Like, kick the ego at the door for one second and just... Help your freaking teammate who has helped you so many times in the past two years to get you well, the drivers' championships. Think about it. Abu Dhabi, 2021. Baku, 2021. Brazil, 2021. Silverstone, 2021. Turkey, 2021. And the list goes on of the amount of races that like Sergio Perez has held drivers back, whether it was Lewis Hamilton, whether it was Charles Leclerc, whether it was Carlos Sainz. Just give him the spot, man. Safety cards aside, sure, Abu Dhabi. Ironically, funny enough, the trending hashtag on on Twitter right now is hashtag F1. It's fixed because we're reliving the whole Abu Dhabi scandal one year later. Uh, again, get over it, people. It's so tiring. But anyways, when you call him like a lion last season for Chet for defending him and getting you back into a position where you could win the World Drivers Championship. No, no, no. He's the Mexico Minister of Defense. Exactly. Mexico Minister. Yeah. It, but... It's true though, right? Like Checo said it well after the race. He said he showed his true colors, showed who he really was. Um, in that, uh, in that phase. especially when Red Bull then has had time this week to kind of converse and meet, and apparently it was a misunderstanding. But I don't know how it was a misunderstanding when it was pretty much negotiated that during the race that if Max couldn't pass Alonso, they would be changing back, and clearly Max knew this, and quote-unquote said he gave his reasons earlier as to why he wouldn't do that yeah that de debrief did not look fun at all <laughs> no uh it's there was yeah Checo's comments after the race he wished he kind of took them back you know mentioning how we wouldn't i love to help max wouldn't be a two-time world drivers championship champion without him <laughs> <laughs> which i thought was classic yeah I'm, I'm curious i think one of my eyes is like i wonder how they're going to respond uh, they're going to respond tomorrow. I'm oh, sorry, this weekend. Uh, uh, Verstappen even like went out against the media um, this uh, during their uh, pre uh, Abu Dhabi uh, interviews today, uh, okay. suggesting that it was like immediately put me down. It's pretty ridiculous to be honest. 
because they don't know how I work with the team, what the team appreciates me. So I'll think, anyways, I, I just really think like, we don't have to get into the, the bashing Red Bull thing, but like, I think there was some more criticism after this weekend. Cause I, I generally think that Perez should have gone the, with this last list, many races or like if everything's always clenched up, I think Verstappen would have given it, uh, should have been. Cause like, you know, look, Leclerc and him are now tied for uh, points, 290 each. And like, going into next week i mean going into this weekend like i would have very i think perez would have emotionally wanted probably be p2 and like look now we can talk about some of the stuff that's happened post this race right but you think that we were gonna have oh go ahead i say my two cents on this is that um there's also a comment made by max and i believe it's very true he apparently has been his family's been getting a lot of abuse as a result and again like it stems back to this toxic um, you know, this, the, the toxicity that was in the Alpine comments. It's, it's not a place like do F, uh, social media become a, can become a very dark world. And I get people are passionate of racing and, but threats against family threat, you know, abuse is just, it should not be tolerated. Starting in Maranello. So, you know, last week we talked about how at Red, we, we talked, we alluded to last week how Benato wasn't very good at his dual role and that he should focus on one or the other and more technical side was probably the best. I don't know if Ferrari listened to our podcast because there was a lot of rumors out there, John, about Benato getting replaced this year, this upcoming season in terms of the, the, the principal role. Yeah. And it all started with an Italian, uh, an Italian um, newspaper, I forget the name of it, suggesting that Bonanto was going to be sacked and the managing director at Salber Motorsport, A.G. Frederick uh, Vesser, I don't, I don't know if I'm pronouncing his name mm-hmm. right, would replace him. Yeah. Um, and people that know him, you know, obviously he's overseeing the Alfa Romeo team, uh, the managing director, but, uh, well, sorry, the team principal of the Alfa Romeo racing team. But also he was the one that kind of like helped Stuart Charles Leclerc when he was racing for them. Look, I, I could possibly see it. Uh, you know, I, I think, I wonder if the dust settles after Abu Dhabi. If, I, I, I generally, if, if Ferrari can't hold P2 and the constructors, I can see it also going. It's just very hard for me to see with all the screw-ups this year, him staying for next year. Yeah, no, I, I, I can see that. I, I, I think... Yeah, again, I think he's best suited back at the factory in terms of the technical development because he can make a very fast car yeah. and a very reliable car. But it, it, with all the strategy that all, all all the fumbles that they've had this year in terms of team strategy and him overseeing that, you know, sometimes people aren't just meant to be in that position. And I don't think Bonato is. And I think there's, I think Fred could be that delegator that leads a team up and Ferrari that would, you know, bring them to championships again or championship form. Yeah. Cause we got to keep in mind the last time Ferrari's won uh, the drive, uh, not the drivers. Yeah. Driver's championship was Kimi Raikkonen back in 2007. Yeah. So uh, yeah, look, there were some promising moments this year. Uh, we can name, we'll talk about a lot of them at the end of the race. Um, but I'm curious to see how this is going to play out. I don't know if, if Leclerc and Carlos Sainz have said anything publicly about Benanto, but, uh, you know, I, I think 
Leclerc's probably got a little bit of loyalty to, to Fred because they were when he was on Alfa Romeo, he was there too. So I'm curious to see it. But um, yeah, I don't know. I my my hunch is Benotto's out by the end of the year. That's fair. Well, that's where I'm leaning. Ferrari did come back and say that those these rumors don't have any merit. But again, we shall see when time comes. Look, Daniel Ricardo said that he said the rumors aren't true, and then look what happened. He's gone. He was gone. So. Um, Speaking of drivers who are gone, oh my goodness, we have a replacement was, we, at Haas next season. I Mick was about Schumacher. to go to bed. We were about <laughs> to go to bed, and our phones blew up with that. I hate when F, I hate when they release these announcements at like either four. It's like four in the morning in Eastern Time in Canada, or like midnight. There's no in between. It's like there's nothing. Can we get something during the day? No. <laughs> so I think I remember I woke up and it was I, I actually I'll give I think it was Tyler the credit. He sent me the video of of. Uh, Sebastian Vettel retiring but yeah that was like right at like 7 30 in the morning eastern time <laughs> but yeah so Mick Schumacher released a statement on his Instagram pretty much saying Peace. that they did not decide to renew his contract with Haas in 2023 and about 15 20 minutes later it was announced that Nico Urkenberg is going to be the replacement driver at Haas which I find kind of ironic considering how him and K-Mag don't really have the best of histories. Yeah, that is, uh, okay. So, okay. So where do we start with this? Um, you know, I think obviously, well, it's just the elephant in the room, you know, Mick Schumacher, he had a, he, at times he had a much better season than he had last year, but I think everyone admitted the 2021 season was not good. Uh, definitely not scoring any points since Austria will probably play in a factor. Here, um, do I see this is probably his last ever F1 race? No, I think he will definitely come back. But uh, he, he felt like that he was not getting the support. And like, I actually, I don't know if you saw this yesterday uh, during this weekend, but when Keg, Keg Meg got pole position, Mick Schumacher was nowhere to be found. I didn't see him going hugging him or anything, but maybe I missed it. Um, I think he maybe probably needs to go take a break from Formula One or go somewhere um, or go to a different team potentially. And maybe um, and give like a better opportunity to uh, to race. Um, now with Nico Hulkenberg coming back, uh, personally, I would not give him the the seat. Uh, I don't think <laughs> I personally don't think Nico Hulkenberg is a good driver. Um, and just just the uh, the fighting between him and Matt Kevin Magnuson after that one one track. I'm not gonna repeat, repeat the words that he said to Mag and the and the reporter, but uh it'd be very interesting so if they thought kevin and magnuson and mick weren't good teammates i don't know i i feel like there's gonna be a lot of budding heads at haas next year well that's fair and you know on on mick there's a lot of pressure that comes with being Correct. michael's son and yes. it's a lot of inherent pressure and it, in times it's not fair to him and i totally respect that I think it, I think a break from F1 right now would be good for him. I can see him going to Mercedes, considering how Michael had such a big influence on them when they first started racing in 2010. Yeah. I think they'll be able to become a reserve driver, maybe race, maybe take DeVries' spot in Formula E so we can maintain single-seater single um, you know, racing, which I think will be good for him. I, I, I really do. I just, again, a lot of pressure is put on the kid. He needs to mature. He needs to be given the resources to help be able to mature at Haas. It was, it's very raw, right? I think a team that's structured like Mercedes 
under Toto's management would be would play really big wonders for Mick. But there is a point in time where if he wants to make a name for himself, we have he has to stop looming, quote unquote, in his dad's shadow and you know make that name for himself going forward. Yeah, definitely. And um, I, I I honestly think that would probably be the better play for him to be a Mercedes reserve driver or potentially going out to another uh, to go to another uh, like Formula E or anything. Um, but yeah, we'll just kind of see how this is going to play out. I think it will be very interesting. Um, I, I think there's going to be a lot of, uh, you know, obviously had Ralph Schumacher come out um, saying that's not how you deal with an employee. I think it was just obviously a very messy ending. And mm -hmm. the fact that within 15, 20 minutes of Schumacher's post, Hulkenberg literally lights out, uh, was picked up. So yeah. it was a very ugly end for him. And I just hope, obviously, we hope the best for Mick. And I don't think this is going to be the last time we're going to see him. Um, speaking of which, uh, how are you going to handle this weekend? Um, I think there's going to be a lot of competitiveness it's going to be an emotional weekend for a lot of people. Yeah. Um, and as we were talking about is as we're going into Abu Dhabi, you know, the constructors is still competitive in the midfield and, you know, Ferrari Mercedes might compete for P2. Um, we're going to be saying bye to a couple of drivers, somebody that, Oh, what's up? No, I was going to say uh, Daniel Ricardo um, for the person, you know, for a guy who could return. Yeah. But knowing that one person will, you know, of such high class and high quality of driver, you know, that will not be returning anymore. It's a very sad weekend coming up in a way. Yeah. Uh, and we're referring to the four-time world champion, Sebastian Vettel. Um, who had a I great, who had a pretty solid, surprising, who had a pretty solid celebratory farewell dinner. Dude. I don't know if you saw the bill a, for that. Can you imagine being a fly in that room? I think it was $200,000 Canadian. It came out too. Yeah. So they went to a restaurant. Hamilton was the one who sorted it all out together. Had 20 drivers, all 20 drivers went to do a seven, it was a Sebastian Vettel farewell dinner. Um, they spent 615,065 uh uh I think it's Durham or Durham. Okay. I apologize for the poor pronunciation, which is about 36 cents Canadian per one. Um, so yeah, around two hundred twenty thousand dollars Canadian for uh dinner. And if you take a look at the bill price, uh, we can post it, but they the it was quite the order, I would say. You know, seven bottles of Perdruce, uh, you know, French fries costing, you know, pretty much like $20 Canadian. I'm like, what the heck do these French fries do? They come with napkins and like, you know, wait, you know, serve you as, you know, put them in your mouth as you're eating them. Like, I guess it's probably because of high pricing towards the desert. But like, realistically, this is like, this is insane. I think the fact that they got all 20 drivers, and I'm shocked Nick DeVries didn't get in there last minute. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but that I could, like, I could imagine being an elephant in the room, just been sit at any of these seats. And I'm kind of looking at the photo right now. I'm like, okay, who's sitting next to who? Okay, so you got Bottas is next to Leclerc. You got George Russell in between Latifi. And um, he's, you know, he's got Latifi there, and he's got Alex Albon. Verstappen looks like he's hanging out with... Um, Next to Ocon and Lance Stroll. I don't even know where Lewis is. Lewis is in between, looks like Checo, uh, you know, and Fernando Alonso. Yeah, I'm curious to see, like, uh, this, this must have been a dinner of the ages. No, I don't know if you want to, if you want to see what the post-dinner picture looked like afterwards. If you want to read anything too much into it, Checo was right beside Lewis with Max being, like, in the top row, upper right corner. So far away from Checo. 
And then Alonzo being pretty much in kitty corner of Akon. So read as much as you want to that as you wish. Oh, and then let's just take it. Uh, I'm following Ferrari news uh, on Twitter. And they said, notice Char- Leclerc sitting next to Lando. Seems like all is fine again. <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah, that must have been a, a freaking amazing dinner. Um, how much did you say that Heineken cost? What is it? 46 bucks? Yeah, like 45, like 45. The, um, I think it, it ended up being, I think it was like 20 Canadian. Again, for a Heineken. Just ridiculous. Remind it, 950 for a 355 milliliter can um, uh, in Montreal. But um, I think just really quickly going into Abu Dhabi, uh, I think 30 seconds. What are the, some of the big things that you're going to see I, I'm going to, I'm looking for me, I'm going to see, I'm looking out for, to see if uh, Leclerc, uh, Ferrari can hold P2, if Vettel can score in the points or if somehow he pulls out a podium position. Um, and I'm wondering at the end, if they're all going to spin their tires like they did four years ago. Yeah. For me, it's the, it's yeah. Merck versus Ferrari, but it's also the battle for P6 in the constructors and P8 in the constructors uh, between Alfa Romeo and uh, I believe, uh aston martin for p6 and then uh alfatari and haas for p8 but yeah i'm hoping that it's a weekend that we all can come to remember quality racing uh i I really i i just hope seb and daniel ricardo finish the race unlike kimby last year who went out with a technical problem i would love to see the recreation of the 2018 photo of lewis vettel and alonso doing the donuts in the middle of the of the straightaway you know saying goodbye to an icon of the sport i think there is a lot there is a lot for us to tune in for next week um and i think we're gonna try to get tyler uh we're gonna try to get erica back because erica sent her regrets today um and we're gonna try to get tyler in as well because i actually want to hear what tyler's feedback is for this also, I think we're going to try to get somebody else in, but we're going to, I'm going to hold that to me and see if that's possible, but we'll see. Awesome. Well, check out next week. So last race of the season coming up, WWGP. Crazy. Going to be, going to be insane. I think it's going to be a great race. I'm hoping that it's a clean race. I'm going to cry. Check in next week for our reactions and our reviews to the Abu Dhabi JP. But once again, thank you everybody for listening to the F1 podcast. My name's Andrew. And this is Richie. Signing off for everybody and Opa, everyone has a wonderful weekend and enjoy the Abu Dhabi Grand Prix.